Willis Welcome to the Fade Route. With DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. Welcome to this week's episode of The Fade Route with DNCIMD. And we got a great show for you tonight. Jalen Hurts injures his shoulder. Carlos Correa and the Giants have a change of heart. And World Cup correspondent Gil Godoy joins us on the in route. But will we begin today's show with the World Cup? Messi enters immortality as he finally captures the only piece of hardware his career was missing. The World Cup was exciting from beginning to end as Argentina edged France in penalty kicks or two. What did the win by Messi do for soccer? Well, first off, congratulations to Argentina. It's been a long time coming. And, you know, France has nothing to hang their heads about. They lost to a a worthy opponent and they took it all the way to PKs. Like, it was going to be close, like we thought it was going to be close. And this really settles the debate, in my opinion. It settles the debate of who's better, right? Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo or Messi? Ronaldo was on the bench pouting and then left his team to go train for maybe a contract in Saudi Arabia because he pouted with his club team and is no longer with Man U. Man, meanwhile, Lionel Messi is taking his team and he is leading that team to victory over not only a worthy opponent in France, but his teammate on PSG, Kylian Mbappe. So, you know, it was a very tactical performance by Argentina. They were, you know, they made the necessary touch passes. They were moving with and without the ball. Angel Di Maria had a fantastic game in addition to Lionel Messi. He seemed to be the facilitator rather than Messi. Like Di Maria had a lot of time with the ball, a lot of possession time. And I think they kind of threw France off a little bit because they were coming from the left. Like Di Maria was coming from the left and his trip in the box actually led to that, that penalty led to the first goal because Messi took the PK and beat Hugo Lloris. So Messi scored in extra time. He scored in PKs. He defined himself. He defined himself on the national stage finally. It's it's something that's always eluded Argentina and it's always (sighs) eluded Messi. And now it's really solidified him at least to be in the discussion, right? Because you still have Diego Maradona, you still have Pele. Like that puts him in it puts him in the conversation now. But for one, it settles that debate with Messi and Ronaldo, but then it creates something new with Messi and Mbappe, because now they have to go back into that locker room with Neymar. <laughs> and just like now they have to coexist. Now they all have 
they, they all have a World Cup. Not to mention, Messi also got the golden boot. So, like, good, good for him. So, yeah, I mean, for, for soccer, it to me, it solidified Messi as the GOAT. But it, it, for this World Cup, it really set up things for Mbappe, right? To now mm-hmm. he's waiting in the wings. Um, I mean, I thought it was amazing. Like, I, you know, I was, uh, I was Christmas shopping uh, the morning of the game. And I saw people watching the game, like, on their phones. I saw people ducking into bars or restaurants to catch a glimpse or catch a moment of the live action. And at 2 nothing, I was like, oh, man, it's a wrap. Like, they're in France, ain't coming back. And, and no, here comes Mbappe. Two goals. Let's go. Go an extra time. Arzina scores. He's like, "All right, I'll score again." Now it's three-three, and we're going, we're going, to, we're going to, you know, extras and penalty takes. So I mean, really, it was fantastic. Mbappe did all he could, but you know, I think, I, I think they'll be back. I don't think this is the end of France. I mean, they have arguably one of the best players in the world on their team. He's fearless. He's confident. He's big. He's strong. And there's no quit. I mean, you're down 2 nothing, and you come back and tie it. Then you go down 3-2 and you come back and tie it, man. That's relentlessness. I mean, if anything, they got better from this game. Um, and I feel you know, like you said, it to me, I think to everybody, this settles the debate. It's like, oh, he finally got it. He finally got his championship. Let's move on. And it's a good way for him to sail off into the sunset. And correction, Kylian Mbappe narrowly beat out Messi for the golden boot by the one goal. His last hat-trick goal is the one that took him over the top. So these guys were dueling. And, you know, it it definitely cements him. It cements Messi in the uh, upper echelon of greatness, you know. And it it makes it all the more intriguing as to what his next move is going to be because he's tied to Inter-Miami of the MLS. Like, his former teammate, Gonzalo Higuain, like, they let him go. He's retiring. He's riding off into the sunset. And seemingly, Lionel Messi is going to come stateside, right? And he's going to kind of anchor into Miami. And I'm interested to see how that's going to happen. Because, for one, this is the first time that Messi has done that. You know, he's, yes, he's at, he was at Barca. Yes, he was, you know, at PSG. He's played internationally, but he's never played in the States. So I wonder how this is going to look and how he's going to fit in with that Inter-Miami squad who last time we saw them got their asses kicked by NYCFC in the playoffs of the MLS. So I'm very intrigued to see what that next move is and how, you know, I mean, the crowds are going to be there. Right? This is going to be, it's akin to like when Zlatan signed in LA with the Galaxy. And he was still, you know, like Zlatan, Messi can still go. Clearly, he can still go. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't know if people are going to go to games down there, man. Like, I get get the draw and I get who he is and there's a decent fan base down there, but people don't go to sporting events outdoors in Florida, man. They don't go to baseball games. They don't go to soccer games. Like they go to they go to they go to basketball games. That's it, you know. And mm-hmm. so I I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good. I think you know everybody comes stateside at the end of their career, which will be fun. But um, yeah, we'll see if he can elevate you know American soccer to another level. I mean that's something that Zlatan and Beckham and um, you know nobody nobody's been Pirlo. Nobody's been able to do it. 
No, nobody's been able to do it. And Americans, American players are now going out. So we need to see that, you know, it's, it's good to see that the best of the best want to come to this league. It validates the MLS as a world league. But also people like him. Like, he's very <laughs> likable. Like, people, people, there are people that hate Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. There are people that hate him. Like, they know, I, don't think, I don't know anybody that really hates Messi. They respect him, and they might think Ronaldo's better. But nobody dislikes him, and nobody hates him, and nobody shits on him. Like, nobody gives him a hard time. Um, and that's that's good. That's that's respect. He's a lot of respect, in, in, you know, in the league. No, he absolutely does. And, you know, the, the rivalry, it's it's a very real thing. And I really, like, I know I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like, I think Cristiano Ronaldo would take a dollar more to get here before Lionel Messi does. Oh, yeah. Like, I, sure. think, I think it runs, oh, yeah. I think it runs that deep. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto. We really care about what's under your hood. Speaking of running deep, (laughs) we're moving over from soccer to football as MVP favorite of the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts may not play this weekend. He came down hard on his throwing shoulder in the Bears game, and the Eagles are debating whether he should play this weekend against the Cowboys. Now, they do have Gardner Minshew as their backup, so they don't, it's not like they have some scrub. The MVP is most likely on the line. The best record is on the line. The division is on the line. Should Jalen Hurts play this weekend? I mean, listen, I always I always err on the side of caution. Like, you know, I am more along the lines of I wouldn't play him. I'd sit him until we had a game that we had to win. Like, if we're trying to lock up home field advantage, if we're trying to lock up division or best record, right now, the Eagles are clear-cut best record in the league. You know, they only have one loss. And everybody else has three. That, you know, so... And, Gar- and like you said, Gardner, she was more than capable. I trust him. I'm not really worried. I mean, if you're concerned, run the ball. Give him safe mm-hmm. throws. I mean, you're going to go and play Dallas right now, man. I just, I don't know if that's really smart to throw him out there against Dallas. I mean, you need him. You absolutely need him. And you have the fourth best rushing attack in the NFL. Granted, that is with Jalen Hurts. But Miles Sanders and Boston Scott are more than capable of carrying this load. Yeah, well, he didn't carry shit over the weekend. And he <laughs> sunk my fantasy team. Two points, dude. Guy fumbled and caught a pass for negative 13 yards. Why would you catch a pass for negative 13 yards? I don't know. Ask Chandler Jones about that. If he literally caught a pass for 13 yards and had, like, I don't know, 20 yards rushing, I would have won. I only lost by three, basically because he was just a negative. He was just a negative, man. Well, they're going to need to rely on him because if Gardner Minshew is carrying the load, that's a recipe for disaster, right? This can't be the Gardner Minshew show. This has to be a full team tilt. So now, should we? So should we just not let any teams from the NFC South in 
into the playoffs and just let everybody from the NFC East into the playoffs. Giants play good. Giants play good over the weekend. The Giants did play well. The Giants played played very well. And the Commanders, you know, you they got hosed. They played well. They, they got hosed, but you know what? On the same play, Kayvon Thibodeau takes a finger to the eye. Penalties offset. Penalties offset anyway. So, no, don't go there. Don't be one of those guys. Come on, man. Watch the video. Kayvon no. Thibodeau gets poked in the eye. Oh, God. Watch the video. So I'm not even talking about the the Matthew the Matthew Berry vomit fest on Twitter about Terry McCorn. So like that's that one's a different story. But those two last plays, they offset by letter of the law. But let's focus on Philly and Dallas right now. Dallas is going to come into this game, you know, they're, they're going to come into this game with a chip on their shoulder because they got beat. They got straight up beat by the Jaguars. They were down. They were up 27-10, and they lost in overtime. Like they're giving up 20 points a game. They're scoring 28. This is this is a game that is ripe for them to win. Rushing wise, Pollard and Zeke are right there with the Eagles. Right, Dak is going to be the issue. Dak <laughs> is going Dak, to be Dak is the issue. Dak is the issue. He's either going to hold them back or he's going to be the guy that takes them to victory. Now, Jerry Jones invested this ass ton of money, this (laughs) this Brinks truck of money, right? Like, when's Dak going to get paid? When's Dak going to get paid? Dak got paid. Get Dak his money. Yes, get Dak his money. Dak got his money. So now (laughs) it's time to Dak, for Dak, to actually earn that money and win a big game. And I don't know if he can do that. Because the Eagles' defense is really fucking good. It's really good. I mean, you have... Let, let's not forget that they also brought in two stud run stuffers. So you have Linval Joseph. You have Indomitian and Sue. You already had a core defense up front. You already have a secondary. Like, the Eagles are loaded. I don't know where Howie Roseman finds this money. Like, maybe he's calling Steve Cohen. I don't know how this is working. Quarterbacks but... on a rookie deal. That's how it's working. But, I mean, is Jalen Hurts the MVP favorite? Is it his word to lose? I mean, I'm starting to think Justin Jefferson should be the guy getting the MVP this trophy this year. Uh, I don't know. It, at this point, the MVP is a quarterback award. Like, that's, that's what it is. It's voted on. It's a voted on as a quarterback award. So, if you're looking at Jalen Hurts' numbers, right? 67% completions, 30, almost 3,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, 5 picks. Very good. Very good. They're, they're very good. Josh Allen, he's up there. He could be a dark horse. Patrick Mahomes, always a candidate. You know, Justin Jefferson... I understand where we're coming from. It's the same concept that we were talking about last year with Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry the year before that. Should a position player, should a skill position player be nominated for these things? Jefferson has 1,623 yards already. He's going he's gonna to have possibly a 2,500-yard season. Like It's possible. Is it likely? No. But he can definitely make that happen. The way they throw the ball and 
Hey, man, wait, wait. Good. He's got 1,600 yards. You think he's going to go for 800 more yards in the next three weeks? It's possible. Jesus. The way they throw the ball? The way they throw the ball? Maybe 2,000 yards. Hyperbole. Hyperbole. Like they, the way they throw the ball and the way he's capable, he could easily rattle off maybe not 800. Maybe not 800. We'll go with a conservative close to 600. There we go. So, tw- still 2,200 yards. So, he's more than capable. Seven touchdowns. That's the number that's surprising to me. As good as he's been. You figure he'd have more. Yeah, I agree with that. You figure he'd have more. I'm surprised. But, yeah. He's averaging like 20, 25 fantasy points a game, though. Right. He's doing his part. But I think even Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Tyreek Hill should be given consideration. He leads the league in receiving yards. That's extremely impressive. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's... they, They should be in the conversation, but at the end of the day, given who's voting... It's always going to be a quarterback because the quarterback is going to get the lion's share of the blame, and he's going to get the lion's share of the credit. Ty- <laughs> Tyreek Hill also seven touchdowns. All, all things does, considered, yeah. does Brock Purdy get Rookie of the Year votes? Is he eligible? That's my question. Yeah, no, he's eligible. Him? Yeah, he's eligible. 100. He's plus sixteen hundred right now. Mm, I don't know about that. I I don't necessarily think that you know he'll get. Who's he, votes. who's he competing against? He's couldn't. He's competing against Garrett Wilson. Yeah. He, he's competing against Chris Olave, right? That's who he's yeah. competing against. That's it. Both it of those. Hall, Brees hurt. Both of those teams are likely not going to the playoffs. He is the starting quarterback on what? Arguably the second best, third best team in the NFC. I think yeah. you gotta. I think you gotta talk. I think it's possible. I mean, if he finishes, if he finishes the year undefeated, how could you not? Well, <coughs> it's not like these. It's not like these other guys are are way better. It's not like they're, you know, they're not doing anything that's incredible. He, he's he's going. He's going places and beating people, man. They haven't missed a beat. They haven't missed a beat at all. But at the same time. I would say of the of that bunch, the most impressive and most intriguing would be Olave, right? Because you're getting dick from Kamara. You're <laughs> well, getting it's you're not, not but, getting you're Michael Thomas not playing again. Well, they listen. They the hold on a second. They just, they're just not running the uh, offense through Kamara. That's the problem. Like they've removed him from the passing game. Like they don't throw him the ball anymore. Like, this guy used to be a PPR monster. They're literally not there. I don't know if he's got incentives in his contract or what, but the game plan is do not throw Alvin Kamara the ball. I don't care if he's open. <laughs> throw it downfield. That's literally what's going on in New Orleans. Well, if they were trying to showcase to trade him, it's not doing. they're not doing him any favors. No, no. I think, he, I think he's staying there, but, you know. He's, yeah, I mean, 641 yards and one touchdown this year. That's Alvin Kamara. Off. Like that, Brutal. Absolute dog shit. Second dog round shit. pick. God. Jeez. And your quarterback is who? Andrew, Andrew. Dalton. Andrew. <laughs> Dalton. Andrew. With that alone, Chris Olave should get rookie of the year. Do you love brownies? Of course you love brownies. But you know what's better than a brownie? 
a delicious, handcrafted, gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep. That's what our guys at Sweet Life Brownie Co. offer. Chef Tommy D and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave, from the classic OB to Dutch Apple to Campfire S'mores and many more. Check out their website, SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, for their Friday brownie drops. At noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too at SweetLifeBrownie underscore co for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com. Give them a call, 845-641-3043 and tell them D&Z sent you. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, 845-641-3043. Sweet Life Brownie Co. Because there's always room for a brownie. Well, listen, there were a few terrible losses over the weekend by various teams. The Colts blew a 33-point lead to lose to the Vikings. The Jets, the Jets mismanaged the clock and lost to the Lions. The Patriots threw a pick on a lateral pass and lost to the Raiders. And the Cowboys lost in overtime to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Z, which loss was the worst? If we're going to do an impromptu order up here, I would say the Cowboys losing to the Jags was the least offensive because the Jags came back and took it. All right? So that's that would be my number four. Number three, I would have to go with the Jets. The Jets mismanaging the clock the way they did. You know, Zerline just shanking that field goal at the end. And and frankly, I don't know if I'm if I'm the ref, I don't give Saul that timeout. I saw triple zero before the yeah, before yeah, the, yeah. it was granted. Yeah, Time ran right. out. Yeah. Time ran right out. Number two, it's gotta be the Colts. The Colts are definitely number two. You're up 33 fucking nothing. You're up 33 nothing. How did Jeff Saturday not resign? Like right there. He said, I'm going to have eight games. Dude, no you don't. You're done. <laughs> Bro. Pack it in. It's over. But for me, the worst of the worst was the Patriots. I can't believe I'm saying that. They got their players panic. It's got to be the worst. It's got to be the worst play of all time. Of all time. Ramondre Stevenson, what the hell are you doing? Like, go down. You're tied. You're going overtime. But what kills me is that's what they they told them to get down. It's not like this was a play. They're like, go pass the ball around and try to score a touchdown. They were told to get down. My My question for Jacoby Myers is, what did you think Mac Jones was going to do with the ball when he caught it? He can't throw a forward pass. What's he going to do? Is Mac Jones going to run for a touchdown? Like, what? This was your master plan to throw <laughs> it 30 yards backward to Tubby Mac Jones? Even he's like, is he throwing it to me? <laughs> like, why? What? Why is this happening? I'm just going to bat it down. I'm going to bat it down. I'm about to bat it down. Here comes Chandler Jones. He's like, oh shit. Oh no. <laughs> then he just puts his hand in his face and throws him down. How embarrassing. Like, oh what in the actual fuck is going on? I don't know. And for this to come from a Bill Belichick coach team, 
like that is mind numbing. Car like, I, I, Derek Carr's reaction was priceless. He's like, they show him watching it on the big screen, and he's like dumbfounded. Like he can't believe what he's watching. He's like, did Chandler Jones just catch the ball? Like, what is happening right now? What the fuck is happening? It's like we won. It's like that Mal- when Malcolm Butler picked off Russell Wilson and Brady had that reaction like, oh shit, we won? Oh my god, we won! We won! You know, Carr didn't even get that excited. He just was like so perplexed by like, how did how did this happen? Like, hey, how? Like, I just, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I think to me, it's the, it's the Patriots. It's the worst play of all time. I actually feel terrible for Matt Ryan. I read a stat. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. I'm pretty sure Matt Ryan set a new all-time low this weekend. He's now been the end of the biggest blowout, the biggest blown leads in international game history, regular season history, Super Bowl history, and NFC Championship game history. Oh, my God. That's Matt Ryan, and they're making the move to Foles this week. I don't really get that. Listen. They still put up 33 points. I mean, you could totally hang this on Matt Ryan. I'm not saying you can't, but they still put up 33 points. So, I they wound up losing their running back, I think, at one point. Yeah, Taylor's dunk of the year, I believe. But so. I mean, that's just a bad look, man. I mean, I mean, how many times this year has Matt Ryan just wanted to retire? Like, you you got benched for. I don't even know the guy's last name. Ellinger, got, the immortal Sam Ellinger. Yeah, Sam Ellinger. Now you're getting benched for Nick Foles. At some point, you're just going to be like, yo, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, I don't. This was just a bad idea. I'm just done. Like, I'm, how do I get the fuck out of here, right? Like, I, I feel terrible for him. I feel terrible well, for him. At the end of the year, he can always take a job backing up Zach Wilson or Mike White. It seems to work okay for Joe Flacco. You know, it's kind of ridiculous (laughs) to me that, I mean, there's so much, like, there's so much negative on Matt Ryan's resume. It's like an an epitaph, man. And you think about all the great weapons he had in his career, and you just got to one, and you blew a lead and lost. It's like, damn. And I I picked them to do well this year. I thought they were going to do well. I said they were only needed. Like, even Phillip Rivers did better than this, dude. Like, jeez. Like, this has just been been such a a terrible situation. But, you know, when you look. I mean, you know, when you look at the league, right? If we're looking Mm -hmm. at the league, if we're looking at all the games that were played this past weekend, we look at all the teams in contention or close to contention. Like, who, who do you really want to see succeed? I mean, see, I got to be honest with you. Like, almost all these teams, I don't care about. Like, I don't want to see San Francisco. I don't want to see Brock Purdy. I don't give a shit about him. The Titans are trash. I don't want to see them. I don't, I mean, Seattle could be a nice story. Kansas City, I guess. I mean, but I've seen it already, right? Mm-hmm. Buffalo excites me because, okay, you know, this is their time, finally. I can get on board with that. Detroit's a nice story. I can get on board with that, too. The Bengals. I'd like to see the Bengals get back there. They're fun. It's interesting. Philly, it's like, ah, 
Do we really have to deal with Philly? I mean, we just dealt with the Phillies. Now we gotta deal with the Eagles. Like, do I really want to deal with that shit? Like, you know, I mean, there's just there's just more teams I don't want to see than teams I do want to see. The Vikings, I guess. I mean, they they've proven they can come back. They make things interesting. I don't want to see Tom. I love Tom. But I don't want to see him. I'm done. He's done. He. They, they looked awful this weekend. Awful. Well, he did it. He did it again. Son of a bitch did it again, you know? Like, we were talking about it. You know, we were joking about it last week. Baker Mayfield and all that. And then he went and did it. Son of a bitch did it again. He gave Aaron Rodgers hope. <laughs> yeah. He, he, they won. Yeah. They beat the Packers. Are now talking playoffs after beating the Rams 24-12. But that's another team I don't care for. I don't, I don't really care. I don't care. I don't care for it. it he looks he Aaron Rodgers has been garbage this year. And I mean I haven't seen him a bunch. I mean I just look at his fantasy stat lines. He's like got 12 points, 13 points. He's like, dude, you're another guy. Get out of here. With those two running backs, you guys can't you guys can't do more offensively. Don't just tell me it's because of your shit receivers, your rookie receivers. I don't want to hear that nonsense. I don't really you know. This it. is what happens when you take all the money. This is what yeah. happens when you take all the money. That's why Russell Wilson didn't have anybody around him for years. What's another? All the yeah, money. what's another team? Miami. Like, I guess. I mean, they're kind of exciting. I could wait a year on Miami. You know, I want. I mean, that's to me. That's who I'm interested in: Kansas City, the Lions, Buffalo, uh, Minnesota, the Bengals, and I guess the Eagles. But I really don't want to see those. We'll go around the league. You know, I'm interested in Buffalo just for a simple fact that right. Buffalo's a juggernaut. I they're ready. Kansas yeah. City. Yeah, they're ready to go. They've been I, knocking on the door. Can we can we have it happen and just get it over with? You know, that's, that's kind of the way I feel about it. They've been knocking on the door since the late 80s. So, yeah, they should. No. You know, no. They should have at least one. They should have had at least one out of those four. They should have had one. And, unfortunately, it probably should have been the Scott Norwood one. But I'll take it as a Giants fan. But the Bills are ready to go. The Chiefs are ready to go. The Bengals, I like seeing the yeah. Bengals. There's no Super Bowl hangover. Right, right. I really, I like that. He's playing um, exceptional. And I think the AFC North is still pretty much in play. The Steelers yeah. have picked up their play. The Browns, are, they hung in there. With but I don't want to see any of those guys. I don't want to see anybody from the AFC North. I'm not interested in any of those teams. All those teams are terrible. Watson looks like garbage. Um... The, 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 the Ravens don't have a quarterback. They're losing receivers left and right. They just signed Sammy Watkins off the street. Ah. Week, week one. Week one for your team. He's going to do great. But Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, I don't want to see anybody from the South. Like I, That's a hard pass. So Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals for me. And in the in the NFC, my team's still in it. So I want to see the Giants. Like I want, really I want to see them do it. I do. As a Giants fan, I want to see the Giants. Like that's been... like that's pretty football to you. Like you really want to watch them on a on a on a on a on a, on a high stage. Football is not about pretty. <laughs> no, giant, no. Giant football has never been pretty. I'm not it's saying I'm effective. I'm not saying it's pretty. It's like you really want to watch them play like a superior team. Like that's what I'm trying to say. Like you want to see them in the playoffs play somebody that's worth a damn. You really want to see that. If it means my team is in the playoffs, absolutely I want to see, see that. See, I love Tom Brady, but I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him in the playoffs. That team that is team, garbage. That team is garbage. That team is hot garbage. They had a 17-point lead at home, and they fucking well, lost. Well, you know who I don't want to see in the playoffs? And they're in the playoffs, the Vikings. I don't want to watch that. Like, the, the Vikings only, are going to get. Right, but they're the only thing, gag. 
The only thing I'd say about the Vikings this year is that we've seen them come back and win. Like, we've seen them, like, come back on teams and win. We saw them beat Buffalo. We saw them come back and beat the Jets. We saw them come back and beat just they just beat the Colts. Like, that's the only positive thing I can say about the Vikings is that they've got players. They've got one of the best. they got the best receiver in the league. Like, they have something to watch. Like, I'm not interested in seeing the Giants. I don't care. If they were my team, I don't want to see them play the Eagles. You want to see them get blown out by the Eagles, like 40 to 17? You want to see them play the 49ers in San Francisco, get shut out? Is that what you want to see? I want to see them go toe to toe. I want to see how they how good they really are. They're going to draw the Niners in the first. But round. they're not good. You know they're not good. You see them play. Saquon's hurt. Daniel Jones is average. Like you know, they have no. There's no body on that team that you paying to watch. I would pay to watch Saquon Barkley. I would pay to watch my team in the playoffs. That is, that means I got there. The last time this team was any good, it got sunk by that goddamn bolt. <laughs> that was the last time they were any good. Well, That's seven years ago. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of fucking waiting for this team. So I am going to grasp at straws and I'm going to watch the Giants get smothered by the Niners in the playoffs. <laughs> but you know what? They're going to smother Brock Purdy as well because they have a defensive line. Like Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams can get to the quarterback. So Brock Purdy is not going to have as clean of a pocket as he's used to. And that's an intriguing matchup for me. And as far as other teams that I want to see, everybody wants to see the Lions, right? The Lions are a very intriguing story. They went from one and six to six and one in their last seven. Like a switch flip. Jared Goff's not turning the ball over. They have a one game with Williams. Two guys. And, and Swift, you know. They traded TJ Hawkins and everybody thought they were crazy. But, you know, they're winning without him. And, yeah, we can just burn the NFC South with fire. That's That's fine. So I that I want to see these teams and I want to know what they're about. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315 1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. But I also want to know what this is about. The San Francisco Giants had a deal in place with shortstop Carlos Correa, right? 13 years, 350 million bucks. We talked about this last week. No, no movement, no opt-out. Like, he was a giant for the rest of his career. Well, the rest of his giant career lasted a week because the Giants had to postpone their press conference for their new shortstop because the physical brought up some issues and frankly, you know, it sounds like a little bit of mutual cold feet. I 
went to bed last night, woke up, went to the bathroom, checked my phone, and breaking news from ESPN, Carlos Correa is a Met. 12 years, $315 million. What the hell happened? Did you piss all over the floor when you heard that story? I was in shock. I, I don't know if anything came out, to be, to be frank. <laughs> I really don't know. But the, the only thing I could think of, right, is that they saw something on that back MRI because that is his that's his area the area that has troubled him in his career and there there's something there you know there has to be yeah they're, they're not there. releasing they're not releasing what it is well the only thing that they've the only thing that his agent Scott Boris has said is that it's not the back and for you know privacy reasons they're not going to discuss the issue at hand but how do you feel as a Met fan like are you happy about this like I gotta be honest with you this is what makes me irritated with Met fans like the messages and the postings today have been absurd like I saw somebody saying oh now we have the best infield of all time the best infield of all time He's a shortstop. He's never played third, and you're making him play third. He's not fucking Cal Ripken Jr. He's not Alex Rodriguez. Like, what makes you think he could go and just play third base? You think he? I mean, he's good. But I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's that good. And third base puts a lot more wear on your body. It's a lot, you know. So I don't. I don't really know. And then got other people saying this is our time. We're the big spender now. The Yankees did this for years. Now it's already well. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. This is a new era, man. Like everybody spends now. The Yankees were spending back when nobody was spending. Everybody's a spender now. And the Yankees also had four core guys that they were buying players around. I I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with all that. And I don't even like the Yankees. And I I I mean I I don't want to offend you, see, but. I actually think the Mets are the third best team in the division. Like, the Phillies went out and got themselves a shortstop. They were in the World Series last year. The Braves were in the World Series the year before that. Like, what? What make? Like, I, what? Tell me. Tell me what your what your thoughts are on this. Well, he is an unknown at third base. I agree with that. But as a shortstop, but solid, right? A career ninety-one oh, percentage. One hundred percent. Oh yeah, like, he's a. He is a great player. Yeah. He's a great... 392 range factor. Like, he can play. He's a great baseball player. He's a great baseball player. I'm he's not going to... He, he's solid. Now, transitioning to a new position at age 20, going into your age 28 season, he is doing it at, I believe, a younger age than when A-Rod did it. So, I, I think that that's going to give him a little bit of wherewithal. Having the DH in the National League now certainly helps so they can move him they have eduardo escobar as a backup so now eduardo escobar unless he's trade bait which is very likely but eduardo escobar is definitely a guy that can help spell him and you know keep him fresh because last year i mean he only played 120 129 games in the field 132 games in the field and if i recall he didn't really light it up last year he had a Good season, but he's solid. Great. He's solid. He's not great, but he also was. Is it three hundred? Is it three hundred fifteen million dollars? Like, like after my whole thing is this: is from what I read, 
there were issues with the physical, the Giants postponed the press conference and they wanted to renegotiate the offer. Okay? They never called to negotiate, renegotiate the offer. And the Mets came in and said, hey, we'll give you 315 for 12 years. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, great. So my whole thing is, is like, did the Mets do their due diligence here? Did you guys look at this physical and you're like, all right, we're good. Like, I'm not concerned. You're not concerned. We're going to roll with this. Did something come up in the physical? Like, all right, we can live with this. It's okay. But the other thing is, who the fuck are you competing against? Like, who else wants him? Well, let's see. The twins were going hard for him for a reunion. But he didn't um, want to go back there. We, we we know he did not want to go back there. He wants this. to he wants to go to whoever will pay him the most money. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. So you can't he he if he wanted to go back to Minnesota, he would have went back to Minnesota. Okay? The Giants offered the most money, which is why he was going there. Giants do a physical, not now dude, you know what, we're I don't know, we gotta think about this a little bit more. And if you're Steve Cohen and the boys, it's just you know, Billy Epper, you're like, yo, let's just do this. Is that is that the mindset? Because if that's the mindset, that's got to make you extremely nervous. It's very aggressive. It's aggressive to the point of stupidity, especially for this guy. Not to mention the fact that he was on the 2017 Astros. Like, that doesn't sit well with me. Like, I don't and like you also that- already have a shortstop. You do have a short, you absolutely have a shortstop, but the fact that he's changing positions, I don't mind so much because he's already damaged goods. You're moving <laughs> over to a place where you don't necessarily need the range. Shortstop is a range position. You know this. You need to have somebody that can cover ground. Yeah, and but at third base, you need to be durable, man. You need to be taking hot shots at the hot corner. You're going to charge in on the bunch. You're going to be diving out of bounds. You're running into the stands. You're... You're you're making you're making quick decisions. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just trying to say like you went you you're paying a third baseman all this money rather than paying shortstop all this money. That's gotta change the game a little bit, right? I think it's. I mean, he's willing to do it first of all. So I think he recognizes that there's the writing is on the wall. See, you would eat now- shit for three hundred and fifteen million dollars. I'll fucking play anywhere. I'll fucking play anywhere on the baseball field for $350 million. He absolutely would. And he's demonstrating that he will do that. And Hey, Carlos. Yeah, we're going to give you $350 million, but you got to play third base. (laughs) Third base, right field, left field, center. I'll fucking pitch for $350 million. That's it. And that's the attitude you should have for the amount of money that you're bringing in. And I think his body will actually hold up better because he is a bigger guy. So that definitely will help as well. Now, defensive shifting is also changing, right? Next year, you need to have two guys on either side of second base. You have four infielders, mandatory. So that is definitely going to change some things. So what worries me a little bit more is McNeil at second more so than Correa at third. As a Met fan, McNeil's okay. Like he can't, sometimes he scares you. Sometimes, sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's bad. But he'll make mostly of the routine plays. Overall, I don't know. He's 
solid but unspectacular and the shifts that may actually kind of losing the shift may kind of hurt Jeff McNeil defensively but I don't know like for me it's more of a chemistry standpoint it's more of a fit in terms of New York he's a chesty guy Carlos Correa is already a chesty guy and the New York media is going to come after him and they came after Javi Baez in the same way and I don't know like that first slump yeah he was able to do it in Houston Houston is not New York. Like, we have established this. Minnesota is not New York. <coughs> like, that is something that he's going to have to deal with. He's going to have to deal with the scrutiny every single day. He's not going to have 81 home games in a respite. He's going to have 81 road games, and then he's going to have a critical media at home. So, like, you got to strap in for that. And... We'll see. We'll see how thick his skin really is. But if he is the guy that the Mets think he is, then, you know, this this is a crazy lineup now. Like the, the, the depth on this lineup is insane. Once you shed James McCann, and whether it's Francisco Alvarez or Omar Novaez or Tomas Nito, whomever that may be, like that's that and left field are still your weak spots. But I gotta ask you, the Giants whiffed on Judge, now the Giants whiffed on Correa. What's their plan now? You know, I, did, I that was the first thing I thought about when the story broke. I was like, oh my God, what are they gonna do? Like, what are you doing? And part of me is like, maybe they dodged two bullets. Like maybe this is, maybe this is okay for them. You know, uh, maybe this will work itself out in the long run. I mean, I, 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 I am not on board with the Korea signing. I wasn't on board with it when the news broke that he was going to go to the Giants. I thought that was a bad move by the Giants. Chris Russo, who is a Giants fan, said the same thing. Didn't like the move. The judge one stings a bit because I think all their eggs are in that basket. They're like, okay, we're going to make him the biggest offer. He's coming home. We can't miss this. This is a can't miss thing. And they missed. And, you know, in the long run, right, the judge contract's a bad contract, right? It's a bit in the long run, it's a bad contract. So, you know, maybe they, you know, they maybe they were going to become the new Anaheim Angels with Paul. So I'm, I'm not worried about them. I think they dodged two bullets, and uh, you know they got they got to figure it out. I mean, I feel bad for their GM; he might need to get fired over this because you know where you're negotiating skills. But you know, I th- I think in the long run, the Giants will be okay. I don't know. I I, I really there are so many holes on this team. If you look oh, at yeah, it, it's right? Bad. You know, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. You know, yeah. they, they fancy themselves a contender though because they signed Shawmanaya. They signed Walt Stripling. They brought in, they, they're bringing in win now talent for this rotation to go with Di Sclafani, to go with Cobb, to go with Logan Webb. And yeah, it no. makes you, it makes you wonder. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no. Um, it makes you're, you wonder. And, you're and two Hanniger. years away. You're two years away now from being five years away. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Now, an opportunistic GM like, say, Ryan Cashman should call up and say, hey, you can take your pick of these three guys. You need a third baseman? I have Josh Donaldson. 
former MVP. Oh, stop. You need offense. Nobody wants that garbage. But maybe they get into the... Um... Maybe you want Giancarlo Stanton. No, no, not that trash. Who's the other guy that's on the Padres? The Padres just picked up. Maybe you get into that sweepstakes. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you're doing interdivision trades, though. No, 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 no. He's gonna hit the open market. He's gonna be a free agent. I think he's. An, I think he's. An, you don't think he's going to free agency? You think he's gonna resign with the Padres? If you're talking about Juan, you're talking about Juan Soto, you're you're, yeah. you're thinking yeah. the Giants with Juan Soto. I don't they're, see that. They're gonna I, have. I a, they're gonna have. They're more. gonna have a ton of money. They're gonna have more money. They're gonna have more money than anybody else. Well, yeah. maybe not a fit, but I'd rather have the young guy than have the old guy. I'd rather have the guy that can do more than just hit. Yeah, but this is a bad precedent. Two guys have left the giant left the Giants at the altar. Like, yeah. Juan Soto is watching, right? Yeah. So I, I don't think that you know you can have six hundred million dollars, and it doesn't really matter. And it, honestly, like it's Otani, and it's Soto. Who goes yeah. where? And it wouldn't surprise me, you know, a team like the Baltimore Orioles get in on Soto. Yeah. So you know, they're ready. Sure. They're on the come, right? You have Rushman. You have. Henderson, you have oh your team. team. The Mets are gonna be all in on Otani in the trade deadline. All in. Well, I mean, we'll give you everything. We'll give you everything in our farm. Give, bring him here, and let us win this championship. <laughs> that's basically think, you know that, think that's about that. Ro- think about that rotation, right? You have Verlander, Scherzer, Otani, Senga, Carrasco, Quintana. They they have set. They'll have. You know, they have a guy for every day of the week. Like it would be, it would be absolutely insane. Now, would it cost you probably Bientos, Beatty, Alvarez, probably McNeil, maybe Cano or Escobar? Like it most likely will. And if I'm per- if I'm Perry Manassi and I'm, I want that haul, but I think Met fans would make that trade off. If it got them the World Series, <laughs> that that's the thing. I think the mindset, the mind, the mindset is shifting, right? I know you were talking about what you saw on Twitter, but Met fans are kind of embracing this, you know. Like they they're like nouveau rich, they're they, they're like nouveau riche. They're they're like embracing the fact that they have money and they can do stuff with it. Now they're probably going to fail miserably with some things because when you're newly rich, you just spend the money because you have it. But that the key to, to being rich is spending as little as possible and oh, still yeah. maximizing your you're impact. Getting, you're getting hammered by the luxury tax too, by the way. Yeah, $806 million committed to all these guys from this year. Including Robertson, like we didn't even mention those guys, and they're trying to get Liam Hendricks from the White Sox. Yeah, I saw that. That's insane. I, I, Steve Cohen has gone full scorched earth, all because Jacob Degrom went to the Rangers. It's absolutely nuts. And <coughs> I, and and it brings me back to the Yankees. They need to do something, man. Like they they're getting lapped. They are getting lapped. So the Yankees need to get on to something. Carlos Rodon is not enough.
Looking to break into broadcast media, web development, social media marketing, or filmmaking? Then CSB is the program for you. From day one, you'll be trained hands-on by industry pros like friend of the show Rob Adams, whose goal is to get you trained and get you working in months, not years. CSB offers 8- and 16-week programs in small class sizes designed to give you the personalized attention you need. If you can make it in person, there are five East Coast locations. If you can't, they offer virtual classes too. How great is that? And once you graduate, you become part of the alumni network that gets you to the front of the line. Trust me, I'm an alum myself. Go to GoCSB.com today, request more info, set up a studio tour, and who knows, you may very well be on your way to a career in broadcast media. That's GoCSB.com and tell them Z sent you. GoCSB.com. It's the in route where friends of the show get a special segment with us. Want to be part of the action? Want to be the newest member of the in crowd? You know what to do. Hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com or slide in those DMs on faderoutepodcast on IG or hit that Twitter, FadeRouteDNZ. Joining us on the in route this evening is our World Cup correspondent, owner, and designer of FCK Clout Apparel, New York City realtor and vlogger extraordinaire, Gil Godoy. Thanks for coming on, Gil. Hey, how are you guys? How What's are up, you? G? What's going on? Fantastic. So, I mean, you partied in the hotel bars. You drove the deserts of the Middle East and stepped foot in the Persian Gulf. What was your overall impression of Qatar? I mean, to be honest, I don't know if it was a setup or not, but I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was beautiful. I mean, Lucille Boulevard. I mean, you got to keep in mind for the last 10 years, they built Lucille section of, of Doha. So everything was modern. Their train system looked like a spaceship they had actually no conductors on the train it was all self-automated they only had what yeah they, and i have footage that of it it, wild. Looked, it looks like a spaceship their 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 tra- their carts came from japan because I, I looked on the actual carts um the front the first cart and the back cart to put in perspective were luxury cushioned seat rows where you sat on like recliners um and you got to see out the front windows like you were driving the ship like if, you, if i share the video footage and the photos it, it looks fake it looks like I'm on the set of Star Trek. Um, <laughs> as far as the city, completely spotless. Um, you do give that, you do give a lot up when you're in the United States. But, you know, when you look at a country like that and, you you know, how beautiful it is where, you know, the old meets the new, you got to say, why don't we have this here? Right. Um, you got to say, well, they don't have an army. You know, they're not spending $2 trillion to defend that country like as we are. So, you know, there is a trade-off a trade-off whether i agree with having a trillion dollar budget as one thing that's a whole other conversation for qatar i mean i learned a lot of things 80 percent of their population there is not even original qatarian that's like less than 20 percent um i didn't know that when i got there i didn't realize like the average income there is like two hundred thousand dollars a year wow all right there's no poverty there you'll, you'll never catch a homeless person and next to dubai and abu dhabi which is in the emirates to the I would say the west of it or southwest of it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry southeast of it. Um, they're the safest cities in the world. You could like sit there with a million dollars and you wake up with a million dollars. Like nobody 
has the urge of negative. Right, but they, they also have kind of like a zero tolerance policy. Too, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. Not... <laughs> when you go there, you have to respect it. Obviously, there were commentators I went there to prove a point, but I mean, that's not why you should go there. I mean, you. Yeah. I mean, it's not here. You know, here we fight right. for freedom of speech. There they had it. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I have a loose tongue, so I'll curse from time to time. Um, and to be honest with you, it was overall beautiful. The people there were nice. They were honest. I rented a car there and to drive, and you know, the the, the return policy. They were honest. Um, you know, you got to worry about things like that when you're traveling overseas and rent a car. You know, they try to give you dummy cars and then charge you bills later on. But their roads, their roads were beautiful. Not one single pothole. Their beaches are amazing what actually broke my heart the one thing was my friend and i we drove up to the northern part of qatar it was an old port city and um we were in the persian gulf and it was low tide so the the, the water goes out like a quarter mile so you can walk the whole beach and there were two kids there with a crab hook where they were just picking up little crabs from the sand and you know i, I introduced myself to wander around like they are and I asked them where they were from, and they were like, oh, we're, we were from Algeria, but we lived here for 10 years. And when they said, where am I from? Because they'd see me with a massive beard and shaved head, assuming I was a local or nearby. And I said, United States, it kind of got scared. They, they looked at me with a, a face of concern. So I told them that uh, I'm one of the good ones. So, yeah. <laughs> but... well, you, you, so you made it to the Argentina, Mexico, and, and Portugal, Uruguay matches. What was the atmosphere in and around the stadiums or, and for those matches? And how did the supporters treat each other? So here's the thing. I, and for my friend who came with, he's Greek. So he had never been to a World Cup kind of game. I had been to World Cup 94. So when we went to the first game, which was the day we arrived, Mexico versus Argentina, obviously um, the Argentines, were their back was against the wall. They had just already lost to Saudi Arabia. And Mexico was looking for the kill. They smelled blood in the water so right off the bat the mexican crowd was through the, from the moment you walk out off the train to into the lucille stadium which is the largest stadium in the in out of all of them um it was it was pure chaos from the mexican side i mean as far as energy the the, the cheering the chanting the bragging all this talk and the argentinians were proud they walked they rocked their colors they had their chance for messi and the vamos argentina chant that you'll probably hear on tiktok a lot right now and but we kept it quiet until the second half because that's when they started scoring and then that's when the argentinians started chanting and going nuts and the mexicans kind of got quiet uh, <laughs> and then i told my friend because i said listen in two days we're gonna see portugal versus uruguay and they're similar to how argentinians are our games we don't talk trash until we have a purpose to. So when we went to the Uruguayan Portugal game, it was a lot calmer until you started scoring, and then one side started cheering and one side started ranting. That's when it started getting loud. But the atmosphere with a Mexican crowd against Argentina was way different. It was like a nine on the Richter scale, and the Portugal and Uruguay was like a four. You know, the energy levels are too different. But um, gotcha. It, it was pretty, it was still fun overall. Now let's get to the big one. Argentina got out ahead early, but France was able to equalize before Argentina finally took it home in penalty kicks. Set the emotion aside. Was this the best World Cup final of all time? So if I'm setting the emotion aside, it could be argued. Why I say that, there is one more World Cup game that I think went then. It was the Brazil against Argentina. I mean, Brazil against Italy, rather. And Baggio missed the penalty. 
that to me was also a crucial game. If I'm not that was nine, that was ninety four, right? Yeah, that that final there, I don't know if you can consider the as far as intensity and highlights. This one clearly takes the cake. Uh, as far as um, just talent, again, they're pretty well balanced. And then you had Baggio on one side, Ronaldo on another. You had South America against Europe, so they're kind of both balanced out. But for me, I loved this one for a lot of reasons. If I took myself out of being biased Argentina, the fact that they both scored in extra time each. Wild. So, wild. Wild. Absolutely insane. Um, that and, then was, Bob, and then Mbappe really doing yeah. everything he could. Man. And like, Z, I, I told you, when they were up 2-0, I said Argentina needs to score at least four goals to close it out. <laughs> and then they tied the game within minutes of that text within in a two-minute window so i knew france wasn't dead yet europe europeans play a different way than south americans do and you saw it you saw it in that game completely different types of style and um that's what you saw and that to me i still put this one as number one but i would put brazil and italy number two that's very fair it's definitely very fair this was a fantastic game and the you know the stars came out to shine you know and that's what i think that's one of the things that's most important is that they didn't shrink in the moment but nope. now that the world cup has come and gone and you know i know you're a soccer historian and you got you like to debate who the greatest of all time is and you're you know pele is also a personal friend of the family yeah so you know he's actually spending christmas in the hospital espn just yeah. broke that story yeah. so uh our thoughts go out to Pele and hopefully he's okay. But, um, you know, has the Messi-Ronaldo GOAT debate finally been settled? And are we on to something new and better with this Messi and Mbappe rivalry? Well, I think what happened now was a couple of things. Um, I, as an Argentinian, eight years ago when we were in the finals, Messi, people forget, was now a villain to us because he didn't win the game. And... The, the, the country kind of turned their back on him for a little bit because, you know, we came off of losing the Copa America and all that to Chile, then that, and then he quits right afterwards. You know, a lot of, he, he showed a lot of emotions that we're not used to seeing from our top stars. You know, after Maradona, we went to, let's say, Palmero, and from Palmero, who was a, a, a boss on the national level, on the club level, he was great, boss on the national level. Then we went to Ortega, who was also number a number ten guy. Ortega. Then when he didn't really do so well, then we went to Treves, who really didn't do so well. He couldn't carry the throne. Then when we had this kid Messi, who was overlooked originally from the Argentinian squad, we 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 put him on this pedestal and said enough's enough. And if you're gonna do the accolades on the club level, why aren't you doing them on the national level? That's why even me when we lost to France and you know I said to myself, he doesn't have it in him to carry a team. He needs a team. And this coach who played with him 12 years ago knew that. So now when you look at the GOAT conversation, do I personally think he's one of the GOATs? Yes. Uh, because I can never call you a GOAT until you win at least one World Cup. You're not even in my conversation until you win that. I don't care what you do on a club level. It's the national flag is what you do. Mbappe, on the other hand, will carry the throne. But will they be good next World Cup compared to this one? No. They won't make the finals next World Cup. They won't. Um, my my thought would be either Brazil or England. Those are my calls now. Um, are going to make the finals. But Mbappe is great, and he'll be good and great. I don't see him winning the next World Cup or another one at this point. 
because he, he, he to me is like the Randy Johnson of baseball. He relies on the fastball. He is great and he impacts the, the game. But in time, he's going to play by now to the next World Cup, he's going to play almost a, like another 500 club games. And he's going to run at 20 miles to 23 miles an hour. He's going to have another flock of 19 year olds behind him. He's going to be what, 20, 27? Yeah, yeah, 28, 28, 28. 28. So you got to ask yourself, how much, look at Ronaldo on the club level was doing well. He had the same attributes as Mbappe. He's just an inch shorter, maybe. Same attributes. But even he started to slow down afterwards at that age. I mean, on a club level, he was he was great statistically, but on a national scale, he was okay. I mean, he won the Euro Cup one time, but that's about it. He never got any further advancement in the World Cup. So I don't see Mbappe being the next GOAT. Do I think he's the face of soccer right now? Yeah, because of his age. But Brazil has a lot of wildfire uh, guys that are talented that got embarrassed and now know what it is to be humble. And I see them coming. I see England coming. And um, I said, I was looking for, I was favoring England to come out aggressive this World Cup because they're just a bunch of 19-year-olds. And they don't have a Rooney. They don't have a Beckham, which is great. You don't need that in this generation soccer. You need a team. And, and Argentina. If you, look at, if you look at England, if you look at England, it's literally everybody on the team starts in the EPL. Yeah. Everybody, everybody in the starting lineup. Yeah, you see what what the Argentinian coach did differently when he took over the reins and he was testing this formula for three years was half the team is from the South American leagues and half the team is basically from the European leagues. But he took the overpaid players, the Iwains and the Agueros off the team. Because they couldn't finish. If you notice in the last World Cup, every time Messi put the ball in their feet, they couldn't finish. And the World Cup when we went to the finals, they just couldn't put the ball in the net against Germany. Iwain supposedly got an offside. That's the only goal I can remember him attempting, and it was an offside. But what they did with Messi was they supported him with Dabala. Dabala played, what, like five minutes? But he plays that same role. So now Dabala has this experience going into the next World Cup knowing exactly what Messi's role was this World Cup, and he's going to mimic it now. And they rewarded him with a penalty in the finals, so he's good. But now you have McAllister, you've got the front two uh, forward, then you've got uh, the, the Paula on the other side, who's okay. To me, he's medical, but he brings the tenacity. He's like your Dennis Rodman. And then you've got a defense that actually plays defense. The last two World Cups, the Argentinian defense are just old men who got paid well in Europe and thought they were really good. But then they gave up so many goals to Croatia in the box. You know, this team didn't want you in that box at all. So what he usually do, he played four back. And then he put four in the midfield. He didn't want you back there. He didn't want the other team in that box. So he put it in the midfield. So he knew exactly how to build a team around him that were young, that can compete in the next World Cup. I wouldn't be surprised if Argentina becomes an upset team in the next one. With or without Messi, they can upset a lot of teams. Absolutely, can and that the Argentinian defense. Like I watched, I watched the 2014 World Cup with you. Yeah, and we watched the Argentina game and compared them to this team. The, this Argentinian team smothered France early yeah. on. Like yeah. it was amazing. This team was kill was to punch, bite, and kill first, and then tire them out with the possession. Where normally we kill you a possession first and try to score later. No, they were trying to go out. Every game, they try to score first and fast and often. That's why their shots on goal were probably a lot higher this World Cup than the last two. Um, and they were just more efficient with the ball. They played more tactical, what I would call triangle offense in this World Cup 
than ever before. And then this to me defines what Messi and Argentina was good at. The second goal with France, when the defender takes the ball from the French forward and sends it to Messi in the midfield, the guy on the lower half of the screen, you would probably see on the right side midfielder, comes to, he stutters or he hesitates to attack Messi. But what Messi does right there in the blink of an eye, he touches the ball, then passes. Instead of just doing a one-touch, he does a two-touch. Messi, knowing that his forward's going to run up that line, he touches the ball, which then at that moment makes that midfielder co commit to attack him, then flicks it up the field to him, to his forward, which then runs down the field to then shift it over to Di Maria. If he never touched it that second time, that midfielder would have stuck with that forward and that play would never exist. But if you slow that move up, that literally defines how technically sound this team was. They knew exactly what he was going to do at all times. So they anticipated that two-touch move and they knew exactly when to cut. They knew exactly when that midfielder was going to commit. It's crazy if you didn't see it in live time, but Messi touches that ball twice to stop it and flick it up the line. And it, it blows your mind. When you see it in slow motion and you see it in real time, you're like, I just can't believe I witnessed that. And that one move or two moves defines how that team was playing that whole World Cup. Yeah, they were playing. Uh, they were playing some of the best football I've ever seen, and they were just playing very like it was very tactical. Like you said, the best way to describe it is tactical. But we're going to transition from football to American football. Yeah, buddy. So your New York Giants, my New York Giants, they're eight five and one after beating the Commanders with a little bit of questionable efficiency. Yeah, seriously. Cares? They're poised to make the playoffs right now. And who would have thought that was coming? But what's the ceiling this year? And do they need to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. to reach it? No, they don't need Odell Beckham. Would it be great to have him? Probably. But to be honest with you, I don't see it happening. I, I think he's going to command too high of a price tag for what his value is. He hasn't had a complete season in so long. And he's had two devastating injuries. Not like they were sprained ankles. This man has torn ligaments, and he's not a six foot four wide receiver. He's a five foot nine guy. So unless he's coming in taking a veteran's minimum kind of deal and running the slot to replace the old Shepherd, so be it. But we don't need deep bomb threats like him, and I don't need three finger catches in the end zone. What we do need is a bruiser in the back line to beat up the D on the running side because Saquon is not the the, the bruiser. You know, I'm, I'm used to seeing Brandon Jacobs and uh, uh, Bradshaw. I love that type of running game. I love Saquon, but if we keep him, we need to draft. that. And I'm all applying to the draft game because this year is a unicorn year for the Giants. I don't know how many people are aware of it, but like the Giants payroll was like zero compared to the rest of the league. We had some really ugly contracts because of our last ownership of management. So this new coach didn't have a lot to work with. And to pull off more than, I would have said, more than three games, I would have called it. If you and I sat in a bar, Z, like we used to do and, and pick out the playoffs for the NBA, like if we did this with the Giants, <laughs> I would have said the Giants were lucky if they got three to four games this year. So the fact that we got eight and we can make the playoffs, that just makes this draft a lot better to look at because we can replace a lot of good contracts with a lot of young players that can do the same exact thing for cheaper and probably get an Odell just for fun. But do we need him? Not necessarily. No. I think we have enough Anybody can catch at his height right now. And the guys are only coming out younger and faster out of college. So I'd rather just recruit a guy that does a similarity and I get him on a rookie contract in the yeah, third round. 
the best way to, it, unicorn is the best way to describe this because right now they're in line to face the Niners in the first round and Brock Purdy or not like that's that's not a good matchup for for the Giants in the playoffs so yeah and, and to be honest the Giants defense hasn't been lined up together all for one game I think this year and it was like two weeks or weeks ago where we don't know our full capabilities yet because we don't have them up there and you know, Saquon's doing his thing. I think we have to change our field. I'm not a big fan of what they're doing on that field. It's terrible. Um, but Odell Beckham, to me, is a high-risk, low-reward player. And he always was. I never saw him as a top receiver. Outside of that one catch in Dallas and maybe two a year later, all he was, he was too much of a negative energy to the team. He was a distraction. I mean, hell, he brought him to Miami the day before a game. <laughs> our last playoff game. Oh. <laughs> you know, so game. There's no, there's, to me, if I'm a manager, I, I don't see no upside to that. Bringing in a 30 plus year old man with two busted knees, thinking he could run a 4 2 40 when he really can't. But I can go into college right now and say I can get about two of those in the fourth round for like pennies to the dollar. And what is he commanding out? So he's get, still getting paid our Giants contract, right? 18, 19 million a year. Uh, on the giant contract through a couple different teams. Yeah. So I don't know who the hell's paying. I think the Rams At this point, like this everybody is, is divvying up. But I mean, the Giants, this season's a unicorn season. I didn't expect them to get more than three to four games. And I knew they were going to be the bottom of the totem pole. And I didn't even think the Redskins were going to do that great. I thought we were both going to be in the bottom. But I mean, I'll take 10 wins because I think we have a chance of, depending on the quarterback for the Eagles, depending on how his, how his arm is, if the next couple of teams can still hit him when he comes back. I know he's not playing this week, but he's playing the following week. If they can hit his arm, <laughs> I said the Eagles can't operate without him. So I'm like, the Giants have a chance of putting him out, you know, at least bruising him into the playoffs. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, it's it's within the realm of possibility. They're better. The Giants are better than the Colts. And yeah. the Colts put 33 on the Vikings in the first half, and the Giants get the Vikings this weekend. So it is, 10 wins is actually really within the realm of possibility. But We'll get you out of here on this one, G. Cool. We know you're a diehard Met fan. Correct. I've been to games with you. Like we've had spirited debates yep. about the Mets. And Uncle Stevie is going crazy. crazy. They lost the Grom. They lost Bassett. They lost Walker. But they brought in Verlander, Senga, Quintana, and now Carlos Correa <laughs> at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, like, that's insane. It's like I went to the bathroom to check and I checked my phone. I'm like, what the well, why? How is Carlos Correa met? What is this? This is kind of a sick joke. Yep. So grade the off season so far, and do the move, do they still need to make moves for that to, to for them to go over that top, or like Hit. is Correa it? I like all he's doing, and I appreciate an owner in New York that's finally willing to put their money where their mouth is. Since George Steinbrenner was always a villain, and I'm not even a Yankee fan, he would at least put his money up at time to time. He was probably the only owner in New York that would actually do it. Because a Will Ponds wouldn't. We know, uh, what's his name? The Knicks owner wouldn't do it. Oh, or if he did, it'd be for a guy like Amari who had like two blown out knees and no health insurance. But going back to the Mets, this guy's willing to put a half a billion dollars in two months on this team. So he's at least saying to the, the management, I did my part. you got to do your part. I think the best thing this team can do right now, the Mets, is all meet up at, you know, spring training and keep their mouths shut. Don't create any attraction to you and just perform on the field. That's all you can do. Because the last two seasons, they've won 100 games respectively, let's say, and then they choked. And 
they're just basically back to the same routine of there's always next year. They're still on that that road because I'd rather you win 75 games to win me a World Series than win me 100 and get and then lose first place and don't even make the, <laughs> the playoffs. So don't get my hopes up with half a billion dollars if you're not going to perform. And I think that's what's going to matter the most now because the media is waiting. The media is waiting to talk to these players now and start, you know, stressing them out. Verlander, we're going to see. I mean, can he deal with New York? I mean, Randy Johnson couldn't. A lot of pitchers came into New York and couldn't deal with New York. And granted, we're in Queens, it's a little different. But still, it's the media that's that's not. Losing to Grom is not a big deal to me, honestly. If you're going to tell me right now that the Mets gave up the Grom and got a, a, a solid starting five in return, then I'll take that. Because when the Grom was here, he played how many games? And how much were we paying him? Yes, I love his Cy Young. I love all that. But what good are you if you're not around, you know? And he believes he's going to win somewhere else. Good for you. He deserves the money. Go to Texas, get the tax free money. You keep believing this sixth or eighth place team is going to win a World Series tomorrow. Good for you. Um, but you're not. I have no animosity towards him. He deserves it. New York wasn't his thing. And I genuinely believe that he just didn't want his family being raised in New York. I think that was the thing. With everything coming happening in New York, I just genuinely believe he didn't want his family in New York anymore. And that's why he chose. There was no beef. There was nothing. He just said, I want out. He got out when he did. And the Mets, we have a new owner at the right time. And he just said, here's the checkbook. Go nuts. Like a Disney movie. And I think that as long as they all keep their mouths shut and stay out of trouble, the, Nick, the, the Mets, rather, can go far. I mean, we're going to see from, you know, we only have a couple months till spring training. Yeah, so... I, I, I'm gearing to make some Mets hats and go to spring training in Tampa with them eventually. I got to design my Argentina championship hats, and then I'm going to design some Mets hats for this season where I want to actually go down and create some content for the new season two. Because I go to DR in January, the first week, and then right around the corner is that. So I want to be ready for that and be able to hand out some hats to the players. Like, I'm, I'll spend a weekend in Tampa and just do that. So that will be one of my to-dos this year, is to go to Tampa, see this new team. Because I've never been. And I want to see what this team's all about. I mean, if you're wasting half a billion dollars, you know those ticket prices are going to be crazy. We're not going to see no more of those free shirt Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, that's those ticker prices. Have, I mean, those jerseys are gonna have to be paid somehow. So, um, five dollar upper deck for uh, tickets Wednesday nights, those are gone. Don't I, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we always did. I mean, we always bought the upper decks and just stayed in the, in the liquor area. But I mean, the, the good tickets, I don't, I won't be. I mean, he has to figure a way to make money back. So, when you spend a half a billion dollars in two months. There has to be a business move to make that money back, and you're not going to get it back in just jersey sales. The Mets fans aren't like that, where we're just going to buy a, a you know a Verlander shirt tomorrow. Other no, guys, Mets fans may, are cynical. Yeah, you know, like he's only here for two years too. So right now, our guys about win right now, and I don't blame them. The Dodgers are doing it. The Giants are trying to do it. The Phillies are trying to do it. It's a win right now mentality. And a lot of sports in general, just like that, win right now. We don't have time to just rebuild, especially in football too. It's not, you don't have time for rebuilds. You can't predict the future and injuries. You got to win right now. <laughs> you can tell me right now, and you're winning right now. So the Trying. OG Triple G, <laughs> now nah, you're doing, man. Trying. You were at the World Cup. That was I know that was a goal of yours, and you made it happen. Yeah, that so. was about five years in the making. That was not cheap by any means. <laughs> that, by no oh, means. Well, when I look at hard work pays off, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it, but that that was an experience. I tell you, man. I mean, I don't know how the Americas are going to hold up. I'll be honest with you. If all of the Middle East could just hold World Cups, do it because 
the way they hold the crowd control, the, tra the train track, like everything was controlled. Like it was never, you, like I have a video on one of my vlogs where 80,000 of us are going to the train station and they had it in such a controlled way that it, outside of just bumping into each other because you want to talk to everybody, I mean, there was just entertainment and distractions. You just didn't feel like you were taking a train. Like you just felt like you were getting on an awesome Disney ride, the train itself. It, it was just like these Middle East countries just know how to operate. And I just don't see, I just don't see our stadiums. I, I won't speak for Mexico because I know that's going to be an experience. I'm already planning my Mexico trip. I don't care which groups are there. I'm going to Mexico. But I can't see Dallas holding a hundred because right now they're saying they're going to hold the final. Because he, what, what did Jerry Jones put like another $300 million of renovations for the World Cup? Yeah. So I can't see Giant Stadium holding 89,000 people and there's not violence outside. And to be honest with you, the no liquor in the stadiums, I think, had a huge, huge impact on the game. Because when Argentina went up one nothing, and then 10 minutes later we went up 2 nothing. the Mexicans, they were violent. They were aggressive verbally and they wanted to start fights. They got into fights with themselves at one point outside the stadium. Like, there's video footage somewhere in TikToks when I saw something. I mean, there were a lot of guys ready to fight us Argentinians, and we were ready to go. But at the end of the day, you know, cool heads presided. But if there was liquor involved, could you imagine when Morocco beat Belgium? Belgians would have gone nuts. When you know England tied with US, they would. I was in Abu Dhabi waiting for the flight, the connecting flight. They would have gone nuts if there was liquor involved. Unfortunately, as much as I used to love drinking, that was a huge factor in it too. There was nobody was drunk coming out and starting fights like viciously. Like there was. Once the game was over, it kind of sucked for him if you lost, but then you kind of let it go. Where if you have liquor involved, it's a whole different ball game. So to be honest with you, not having liquor in the stadiums is a huge, and most people won't agree. They won't like to hear that. But if you're bringing kids to these events, yeah, you're, you're not going to want a group of like any other countrymen going nuts, you know? It's, it's you know, think about it. If you have a, a daughter or a son, first experience in America to watch it. My first experience at a World Cup game was a Foxborough Stadium against Nigeria. Maradona's last game before he got the drug bust. And uh, luckily we won, so there wasn't violence. <laughs> but <laughs> look what happened. If you were, I watched USA beat Columbia and I was in Jackson Heights, Queens in a, in a Uruguayan restaurant. You know, my father told me like, listen, keep your mouth shut when we go outside because the Colombians are not happy. You know, it, it, it can get that way. <laughs> so not having liquor at these stadiums was a huge deal in, in, in a positive way. Kids got to enjoy it. And I must admit, I've never seen a stadium accommodate so many uh, handicapped people. I didn't even know that was an option in stadiums, to be honest with you. But they had flat sections, elevators assigned, people who would usher you into bathrooms with your, I guess, family old partner or parent. But they would their accommodation for people that were couldn't walk or look was, was utterly amazing. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And the subways were free. Subways were absolutely, they were all free. That's, wow. Yeah. So that, and I'm, I can't wait for the next part. I've seen most of the vlogs. I'm, I gotta get on the last the last episode. But last one was one, long, but it was worth yeah, it. it. I mean, they've been fantastic, man. And if you haven't checked it out, go to Fuck Cloud's YouTube page. Go there. You'll see the vlogs. They're fantastic. They're shot on a GoPro. It's like, you know, it's very well done, very well edited. And 
the OG Triple G, Gil Godoy, yes. the owner, designer of Fuck Cloud Apparel. Thank you yes. for coming on, brother. Thank no you for being problem. Thank you for the invite. Of Thank course. And if you want to be a member of the in crowd, hit us up at faderoutemail at gmail.com. Slide in those DMs at Route Podcast on IG or hit us up on Twitter at FadeRouteDNZ. Brother, have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. We got to get together. We got to have a drink or two. We got we to gotta watch some sports, man. Let me know, it's been man. too long. This weekend, let long. me know if you're free. Not for drinks, just to hang out. It don't have to be drink related. But I got to stop by the Hibernia because, you know, they were big Argentina fans. So I got to stop by there. Yeah, I saw Eddie was uh, Eddie was repping your uh, your brand, so we definitely gotta we gotta swing by there and, and say yeah. hi. I'll be free if you're free this weekend. I know it's the holiday, the twenty third. Wait, what's this weekend land on? Uh, Friday's the twenty third. Oh, that's Christmas. I remember. I, I lost train, uh, time of thought, but usually if I do go out, it's on on a Saturday because Monday through Fridays I'm just working and working out. So, um, but yeah, let me know. I, I, on January the first week of January, I'm in DR, and then I come back. If it's after that, so be it. But uh, you know, I'm available. Yes, sir, brother. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. And we'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. Have a good one. You can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstars, located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top notch. Westchester Pop Stars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Pop Stars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. All right, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It's time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week. You know how this goes. We put up a poll on our Twitter page, at FadeRoutDNZ, and you vote. And you vote, and you vote, and you vote. And the winner of said vote gets a shout-out on this your show and the coveted ass trophy. Do you know who took on the coveted ass trophy last week, D? I don't. The San Francisco Giants front office. Those guys. For signing Carlos Correa. <laughs> <laughs> but that was last week. It was only last week. This is this week. Who are your nominees, D? Uh, first off, is an easy one. I'm stealing this one from you. Jacoby Myers for lateral the ball to Chandler Jones on the last play of the Patriots Rams, the Patriots Raiders game. Did you think Mac Jones was going to catch the ball and run for a touchdown? Like, what the hell were you thinking? Jacoby Myers, you're my alleged superstar of the week. Next, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Man, Dak, you can't be throwing interceptions in overtime. I know it was a drop pass, but dude, it's on you. 
Dak Prescott, given my relationship with Star of the Week. And last but not least, I feel terrible about this, but it's Matt Ryan. Matt, 33-point lead on the road in Minnesota, and you blew it. Good lord, dude. Good lord. Matt Ryan, you're my alleged superstar of the week. Zeke, what do you got? All good choices. A lot of a lot of choices that I wouldn't make. But we have a late comer, right? The San Francisco Giants. Again! <laughs> you sign Carlos Correa. You find something on the physical. And he and now he's gone. So you lose out on Judge, you lose out on Correa, you have egg on your, you have two eggs on your face. You're, you're going to have a fucking omelet on your face. There's so much egg on your face. You've got to do something because I'm sure your fan base is not going to be happy with the fact that your offseason is Mitch Hanniger. No offense to Mitch Hanniger. None. Whatsoever. Friend, of the, friend of the program. Friend of the program. Joe Rush's favorite player. But... You gotta do something. And you gotta do something big. Just to just to save face. <laughs> San Francisco Giants, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Colts. Need I say more? 33 <laughs> nothing. A 33 nothing lead. Take the air out of the fucking football. Run the goddamn ball. Run the ball. I get the Jonathan Taylor. That's why you got Zach Moss. That's why you traded for Zach Moss. Run the football. And you know what? To the 30-year-old child that is the offensive coordinator who probably learned how to coordinate offense by playing Madden. Why the hell are you going for it on fourth down with Matt Ryan doing a quarterback sneak? That is like an insane play. I can't think of a quarterback more immobile than Matt Ryan. Tom Brady can fall forward. Matt Ryan cannot. Indianapolis Colts, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, the refs, particularly the refs in the Commanders-Giants game on Sunday night. Oh my God. Blown call after blown call after blown call. Missed call after missed call after missed call. Missed call. Am I good? Am I good? I'm on the Am line, right? I'm on, I'm on the line. Yeah, you're on. Okay, great. Awesome. Matthew Barry's throwing head. throwing a flag for. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Barry's head is exploding. On, uh, uh, you know, he's di- He has diarrhea of the keyboard, and you missed the Kayvon Thibodeau thumb to the eye. You missed the the thumb to Kayvon Thibodeau, I should say. You missed Darnay Holmes hugging the receiver. There's just a lot there. There's a lot there. But as a giant fan, it wins a win. I'm going to take that. Thank you. So, reps. It's It's been a bad year all the way around. And you guys need to be better. I mean, it's just atrocious. Reps, you are my alleged superstar of the week. The poll goes up after the show, folks, at FadeRouteDNZ on Twitter. And for our nominee. Just do better, boys. Just do better.
Need some last-minute fantasy football advice? Then the boys at the Fade Route have you covered. Tune in every NFL Sunday to Red Light, Green Light, 1, 2, 3 with DNZ. DNI give you our top 1, 2, 3 fantasy starts or green light and fantasy sits or red light. That's Red Light, Green Light, 1, 2, 3 every NFL Sunday during the season. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get the Fade Route. That's Red Light, Green Light, 1, 2, 3 with DNZ every NFL Sunday during the season. Let's run the option and give you our picks for the week. It is the option for NFL Week 16. Week 16. It's absolutely mind-numbing that we have only three short weeks left. But you can still join our CBS Pick'em League. Go to our Twitter bio. Go to our Instagram link in bio. Find our Pick'em League. It's also called The Option. And join today. I'm in the lead by one. D and the lovely Rita Sanchez are one point behind. Foxy is two points behind. And Zach is coming on strong. Let's see what you guys got. Let's see what you got. We're going to start with our Thursday night game. 8.15 p.m. Amazon Prime. The number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, leads his 6-8 Jaguars into MetLife to take on the number two pick, Zach Wilson, and the 7-7 New York Jets. Jets. Really? Yep. Uh, they play defense, man. Right? They do. They do. But I like what the Jaguars are doing. They're moving the ball. Evan Ingram has somehow like found out what the end zone looks like. Like, good for you. Like Je- Trevor Lawrence is playing fantastic. Etienne is having, you know, he's having a good game. So I'm gonna roll with the Jags. Christmas Eve. We have a major slate of games. Saturday is all right for football. 1 p.m., the 5-9 Falcons go into Baltimore to take on the 9-5 Ravens. Ravens. It's got to be the Ravens. They cannot lose to Desmond Ritter and Falcons. They cannot. The Falcons' hopes for the division need to die. And the Ravens need to kill it. The 7-7 seven seven Detroit Lions go into Carolina to take on the 5-9 Carolina Panthers. I'm taking the Lions too. It's not that to me it's not that close of a decision. Defense is playing. Goff is flying high right now. The run game is solid. And at the end of the day, Sam Darnold is under center for the Panthers. The eleven and three Bills going to Soldier Field to take on the three and eleven Chicago Bears. Oh come on, Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. 
it's not close. The Bills are going to go in and they are going to tear it up in Chicago. The five and nine Saints go into Cleveland to take on the six and eight Cleveland Browns. Ah, uh, the Browns. I'm going to go with the Browns as well. They have a running game. The Saints apparently do not. And Andrew Dalton is still under center for the Saints. I don't get that. The 7-7 seven and seven Seahawks go into Kansas City at Arrowhead to take on the 11-3 Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean Chiefs. How about them Chiefs? Seahawks are a nice story, but they seem to be fading. They seem to be fading. And the Chiefs are a far and away better team. The 8-5-1 Giants go into Minnesota to take on the 11-3 Vikings. 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 This is tough. This is tough because we've seen the Vikings lay an egg. But I don't think that the Giants have a corner that can handle Justin Jefferson. So I am going to go with the Vikings. The 10-4 Bengals go into Foxborough to take on the 7-7 New England Patriots. Man, (laughs) the Bengals. How the mighty have fallen. I'm taking the Bengals as well. Over-under, one half of football played by Bailey Zappi on Sunday. Oh, under. Possible. They're mulling a change. I've heard they're mulling a change. The 1-12-1 Houston Texans go into Tennessee to take on the 7-7 seven and seven Titans without Ryan Tannehill. Gosh, what a, for the terrible, year. what a terrible game that is. <laughs> the Titans. Your division-leading Tennessee Titans. Think about that. Oh, my God. I honestly don't know at this point. I mean, you're going back to Willis. Willis or Davis Mills? Oh, you got Derrick Henry. I'm going to take the Titans just because of Derrick Henry. We're in the 4 o'clock hour on Saturday. The 7, 6, and 1 Washington Commanders go into Santa Clara to take on the 10 and 4 San Francisco 49ers. Taking the commies. Interesting. Interesting. I am going to go with the Niners. I think that they're going to be able to withstand everything that the the commanders put forward. And, you know, if Chase Young plays, it'll be a little bit of a difference. But I think the Niners keep rolling. The 13-1 Eagles go into Jerry World to take on the 10-4 Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? It's going to be close. I'm very tempted to take the Eagles and keep the train rolling. But I got to think that I got to think that the Cowboys defense is going to show some pride. And your Saturday night special, the 6-8 Raiders at the 6-8 Steelers on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Steelers. Rest in peace, Franco Harris. I'm going to take the Steelers as well. Sunday, 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 and a Merry Christmas to you. 
the one o'clock game, the six and eight Packers go into Miami to take on the eight and six Dolphins. Dolphins. Yeah, it's not that close. It's not going to be that close at all. Aaron Rodgers, as soon as you start thinking about playoffs, dashed. Just when you're about to sit down for Christmas dinner, how's this one for you? On CBS and Nickelodeon, 4.30, the 4-10 Broncos at the 4-10 Rams. Broncos. Oof. How's that turkey tasting? Hot Not very good. Ah, this is bad. Brett Rippon versus Baker Mayfield. Like, I don't know. This is is trash. Football? (laughs) They might be playing checkers. I don't know. Maybe we could have a spelling contest or something. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to go with the Rams, but I have no confidence in this. I haven't had confidence in the Broncos all year. Hackett's a dead man walking. And, yeah, the Rams have some major rebuilding rebuilding to do with no picks. Good luck. Your Sunday night special, the 6-8 Bucks at the 4-10 Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> the Bucks. The cards are down to Chase Mc, uh, Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley, easy for me to say. Yeah, the Bucks need to win this game. If they lose to the Cardinals with Trace McSorley under center, blow it up. Like, don't let Todd Bowles, you know, change the access code. But the Bucks should take this one. And your Monday night delight. The eight and six Los Angeles Chargers go into Indianapolis to take on the four, nine, and one who Colts. Wants to watch? Like, who wants to watch that? It's just awful. I don't know. After the showing that the Colts put up the other day, you can't in good conscience watch them. <laughs> you can't. It's, it's garbage. The only thing that's the saving grace is that Nick Foles is the quarterback. So we don't have to we don't have to drag Matt Ryan again. But the Chargers, this is a game they need to win. This is the game that they would normally lose. I'm gonna go with the Chargers. Karma changes and they finally they finally win a game that they're supposed to win. Fantasy playoffs, fantasy championships. No buys. Deploy everybody you got. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch our podcast on Wednesday night on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So until next time, stay faded, everyone. Time for us to run the go route. We'll talk to you next week. Have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holiday, and we will catch you next week. If you want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up, FaderoutMail at gmail.com. Slide in our DMs on IG at FaderoutPodcast. Drop us a DM on Twitter at FaderoutDNZ. Comment on our YouTube channel, The Fade Route with DNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it, we want to hear from you. Get at us, in crowd.
Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.